Welcome to today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels. Got a great show planned for you today. Going to talk to Todd Speedburner Robinson about the NBA draft. We talk about all of the top five picks, the trade between Atlanta and Dallas, who we like, who we don't like, teams that are collecting assets, why did Michael Porter Jr. fall so much, and is it worth it? Is Did Denver come up with the steal of the draft, or are all the teams that are scared of his medical reports going to be proven right in the long run? We talk about free agency as well as the NBA awards, and I'm going to give you a little thought on the NHL offseason, which isn't getting the hoopla, but some big names moving around as well. Don't miss that at the end of the show as well. It's the Money Mitch Effect, and it starts right now. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect to talk postseason, post postseason NBA hoops, NBA draft, free agency, and the awards that took place last night. Front of the show, Todd Speed, Bernard Robinson. Todd, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect yet again. Always good to talk uh, NBA with you, Mitch, and uh, and of course you know how I love uh, drafts, whether it's NBA or NFL. So uh, looking forward to diving into uh, that activity as well. Yeah, and, and you're somebody that makes bold predictions. Some of them have panned out great, some not so much, but I appreciate going for you know, going for it and making those deep stabs and, and trying to see who the top late bloomers might be in the draft. We'll start though at the top of the draft. The twenty eighteen NBA draft had a little drama at the top, but the big fishes went almost accordingly, just some jockeying for positions, but I want to want to start with this, Todd. Aiton goes number one, and, and I'll kind of segue into what you think about this draft. Do you think Aiton was a good number one pick? We've had some ups and downs in that position. Do you think he was deserving of this pick? Is he one of your favorites, the favorite in this draft? How do you assess Aiton staying in the state of Arizona going to the Suns? Yeah, not only staying in Arizona, but like right in Phoenix, he played a little high school ball there too. And I think this is not a hard opinion to have, and I'm, I'm with a lot of people. He looks uh, more or less like a can't-miss guy uh, right away 2010 in college, his only year. You know, so many of these freshmen, you know, they, they, they have lower numbers, but you project and all. Well, you know, he did it 2010 in college and all. Same with Bagley. So I, he's so big. He's so long. He's athletic. He's got a nice shooting stroke, so looks pretty can't miss and um you know in the days and weeks leading up i think everyone kind of figured phoenix was going that direction you know what i think is interesting i, I like ayton we'll get into who i think is the best player or might be the best player in this draft but i almost feel you know you're right he did it in college i almost think he got undervalued a little bit because of where the nba is going and i don't think that's fair to ayton to say just because the game's getting a little smaller oh, you're more of a traditional center, you're not going to be as effective. The kid can play. I think he proved it against top-level competition. I think Aiton got criticized for maybe not being maybe not being the best defender, but I think he's you know going to be a young player that can have an effect, maybe not right away, but the defensive side of criticism I just didn't understand. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly got the frame and the tools. Uh, to be a great defender so much of it is you know a little bit of technique and then desire you know you look at a notoriously poor defender say like James Harden and so much of that is he just doesn't really try and so if you convince the guy to try and if he's 7-1 and athletic with you know a heck of a wingspan he, he can absolutely change games on that end 
I think his defense is better than the number two pick, Bagley, who really needs to kind of go to school on that end of the floor. But uh, And, you know, he, he can shoot. So you, you talk about today's NBA, and is there a role for a seven-foot big? But, you know, if a guy can shoot and then stretch out, you know, and then has some lateral quickness to maybe guard a six-seven, six-eight wing a bit, you know, that's – he, he's he's ready for today's NBA. He's, he's today's guy. Right. It's all about development too. We can't expect these players to be polished versions, especially when they've only when they're only nineteen, you know, twenty years old, coming into the NBA. I'm a big Aiton fan, but having said that, Todd, I've gone on record saying that my favorite player in this draft is the guy that went number two, who the Kings picked, Marvin Bagley. What's interesting about this pick to me is that there was a lot of rumbling in the weeks ahead. Would Doncic go one? Would he go two? Sacramento held the key at number two. You got the sense as this draft got closer, at least I did, that Bagley was their guy all along, and that included over Aiton. I, I get it, though. I mean, we, we, we all make fun of the Kings and their, their hideous decisions and drafts in the past. Bagley can play. He proved it. I like his move set, and I'm, I'm buying early. I'm, I'm on record. If he's a bust, I'll take that one on the chin. But, Todd, I'm a big fan of what I think Marvin Bagley can do at the next level. Oh yeah, I mean he's he is springy. He's got a little polish. He can, uh, you know, he can shoot it a bit. He really goes after the rebounds. The defensive end, you know, some of the highlights. It's it, it's desire. You know, he, he's he's got all the tools to to do it at that end, and then really become. You know, he's he's an all star probably if he gets uh, better at that end. Yeah, like a, a real nice, athletic, springy package in a 6'11 body with some polish. And again, a guy who did it, you know, 2010, he, he did it right away, night in and night out. Very consistent guy in college. And I know, Todd, you're, you're somebody that likes the, the potential side of things, but it is it, it is something, right, that these guys did it. Aiton and Bagley produced in college. Other names maybe like a Jerron Jackson who have the look – but not necessarily the success yet. I mean, I know we're splitting hairs. These guys are all great potential players, but I'll take somebody that's done it at a high level. And also that I think, if you want to talk about where the league's going, Bagley looks like the dream small kind of five on a small lineup because I think he can do it all. And if he's your center when you, when teams go small, I think that's a great option. Oh, for sure. No doubt he'll slide into the five and, uh, you know, small ball lineups in today's NBA. You threw out the name Jaron Jackson. Um, he Now, he's, he's kind of funny because he's a great defender, really kind of understands the nuances of defending, gives a great effort. Um, but he's not the athlete that uh, Bagley is. He has kind of a funky shooting style. He's got a heck of a wingspan, Jaron Jackson. He's 7'4 on the wingspan. Mm. But um, doesn't seem to – he's not an explosive athlete, not, not like Aiton and Bagley. He was definitely a, a solid couple notches, I think, below those two. Um, but on the defensive side, he's got size. And he's got, and he kind of knows how to play D. So he can, you can plug him in for defensive purposes, probably fifteen to twenty minutes a night right away. And with him on Memphis at number four, I think that's good for them if they want to commit to a player like Mike Conley for the long term. Where they gave all that money, you want to build your wings. There's always a place for a guy like that if he can get the typical three and D model. I think there's always a place for a guy like him, especially with that NBA DNA with his dad, Jaron Jackson Senior, who. 
had a, I know he played for the Spurs for a little bit, but he bounced around the league a little bit. So he's got that DNA uh, in his blood as well. I do want to talk Todd Robinson, Money Mitch Effect, about the trade that took place, the big trade, three and five. The Hawks trading. They made their picks, but the Hawks took Doncic. They traded back to Dallas under the exception that under the condition that they would take Trey Young. They got a first-round pick out of that as well with some protections on it. But it's Doncic in Dallas. It's Trey Young and a draft pick to Atlanta. First things first, Todd, I know you're not a big Doncic fan. Dallas went out and got him. Do you think this is a good fit for a player like that? I know you're not you're not drinking the Kool-Aid yet, but do you think Dallas and that organization is a good landing spot for him? Uh, you know, fit-wise, to be honest, I, I'm not even really pondering fit. I mean, he, he's got Nowitzki to, to give him some tutelage. So I guess in that sense, it's okay. As long as you brought up fit, they drafted really kind of an opposite guy a year ago. They, they draft a super dynamic, explosive athlete point guard who definitely had some groin pains and, and was – not not anywhere close to a polished diamond, but you know, super athletic, super explosive. And then now you get your six eight, slow footed, <laughs> no explosion, not gonna have an easy time assigning a guy for him to guard. I mean, it just. I know he's savvy. He's very savvy. He kind of knows the game. He, he's got skills. He's got. A, he's a he's a mature player for his age in yeah. terms of his skill set and his savviness. He kind of he, he kind of gets it, you know. But if you don't have a requisite am, amount of athleticism, I ca- I keep thinking of guys like Kawhi Leonard and Andre Roberson just locking him down on D, and he's going to be suffocated. I just don't understand a lot of the pundits and the teams not considering geez you know can he can he can his athleticism survive and can he do what he does so great in a lesser league can he do that in a league of great athletes on the floor and i have a lot of doubts but um i suppose we'll see well and and just to be fair i mean a lot of people said the same thing about this year's national basketball association mvp so I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to split hairs too much. But the reason why I brought up fit is because I actually like this with him and Dennis Smith. Smith being the athlete, being somebody that can can drive the game in terms of speed and athleticism, and defensively, he can guard those athletic point guards. Not great, but I do think he got better, made strides his rookie year. Doncic at six eight. It's the vision. I think that's the the part of his game that I think is going to showcase out and. I'm a fan of his. I'm I'm also a little hesitant to see how he will be able to play at this level. But I can think of a lot worse situations than a place with a Dirk Nowitzki with the culture set up there. Carlisle being one of my favorite coaches in the league. I think this could be a good place for Luka to play. But on the flip side, Todd, a lot of people were killing the Trey Young trade for the Hawks. I actually don't mind it from one sense. I mean, it's a, if he's a bust, he's a bust. That could very well happen. But Atlanta got an extra draft pick. They got Trey Young. They got a player that can create his own shot, at least at the college level. And, Todd, he's going to get his chance to shoot. I thought the worst situation for Trey Young to be in was a spot where it's kind of congested with with ball-dominant guards and, and players that need the ball in their hands at all time. Atlanta might have had the worst roster in the league at the end of the year, so he's going to get a chance to shoot. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, 
he, he'll get a chance to shoot because if he's within 30 feet of the basket, he's kind of ready to launch. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he's got... He's got range that goes well beyond, you know, Steph Curry-like range. Not a defender, another guy with a big hole at that end of the court. Doesn't have the size to maybe ever really be a great defender. I, I don't think he has a great wingspan. Some of these six-two, six-three guys, they got six-six wingspans. I don't think that's Trey. But, you know, that you talk about that pick that they got, the 2019 number one, it's only protected one through five. Mm. So if Dallas finishes with, you know, a six or below lottery pick next year, Atlanta's looking kind of nice with that pick there. And, and that's, by the way, that's another reason to kind of really uh, look skeptically at um, Doncic in Dallas is the fact that, uh, you know, you had to give up an extra number one for this guy. So who's got just a massive, to me, a massive red flag there uh, with, with the um, athleticism and dealing with, with the athletes of the NBA. But no, I like Trey. He seems like a gamer, tough kid. You know, if, he, if he's got to make an effort on the defensive end. It's mm-hmm. just a real big hole at that end. And then you got to wonder, do 6-3, like a Giroux Holiday? I mean, look at, he swallowed up um, NBA point guards on defense. He did. Uh, even in the playoffs against, you know, Lillard and CJ McCollum at times, he was unbelievable. And I, I think a guy like that's going to give Trey Young fits and uh, other good defenders, Gary Payton types, you know? Yeah. But, um, but, yeah. but he's, he's got game and, and I think he's a tough kid. He, 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 he strikes me as, as kind of a confident, tough kid who will work through and, um, you know, not dominate like he did in college, but, I think I, I, I have a more hopes for his NBA career than Doncic. Oh, interesting. Well, I do, I do think Trey Young's fearless, and I think Atlanta did want him all along. They were negotiating with how far they can go back. Dallas was the key team there. and Exactly, that, exactly. Get some value. Well, and that's, yeah. when you, that's when you talk about free agency plans because we'll get into the, the later part of the draft here in a second, but – you know, some of the later guys, Jackson went fourth, and there's guys like Mo Bamba there. Dallas might be targeting a big in free agency, so they're not going to draft him. You can't really go down too far, you know, without with the risk of losing the guy you wanted all along. But it was a great – I wouldn't say no, – I think I'll Atlanta say, did a, Yeah, I'll say good job now. Yeah, I want to see how he pays out. I think they did a great out. job of tracking that value. Yeah. yeah. Um, getting that, that number one uh, and, and, and only, you know, dropping down a couple spots. Uh, I think they, they did a, a super job. To get a number one for a two-slot move. So, Todd, if we get out of the top five now, who are some of your favorite picks? Like, if you had to pick someone six down in this first round, what was your favorite draft pick, a team selection that somebody made? Um. Well, you know, I mean, you mentioned Bomba. He's he's right at six, so that's that's really kind of the upper tier. But you know, obviously, anyone who's got a seven ten wingspan <laughs> yeah. uh, looks very agile and coordinated. You watch the guy move. And he's got kind of a nice stroke. Now, he's a little skinny. He's got to get a stronger lower body, kind of gets pushed around on D and is not maybe quite as aggressive as he should be because of that lighter frame. But, you know, that's that's an, an obvious kind of wow, you know. I mean, if he gets tough and, and uh, a little tougher, like willing to more take contact and gets a little bulkier, you know, just just 15 to 20 pounds on a 7-1 frame, wow, the sky's the limit on that guy. Yeah. Um, don't really like Carter, number seven. Okay. Um, just kind of a very blah, look, look to me like the kind of guy who goes 
right at the edge of the lottery into the 14th, 15th, 16th pick. I don't know about number seven overall there. I like Colin Sexton. He, he, he struck me as, as like a tough kid. Maybe he needs to, you need to polish the diamond, but he's got the athleticism. He's got the confidence, a little swagger. You know, I read a little scouting report and they called him a maximizer um, <laughs> in regards to his, his mentality. And that is so big because um, so many of these guys, no matter what the sport is, it's a collection of great athletes. And it's that mental edge. Who really wants it? Who's going to work to get it? You know, if you've got a maximizer tag on you, well, that, that's a nice uh, feather in your cap. So, and, he's, and despite the fact that he's short, you know, six one and a half, Colin Sexton. Yeah. Um, by the way, that was Cleveland uh, re- replacing Kyrie. He's got those long arms. He's a six six wingspan. So you got an explosive guy, quick guy, long wingspan. Funky shot, got got to work on his shot, a little streaky with his shot, and maybe sometimes just a little flashy, too flashy for his own good. But I like him a lot. And then the other thing that really struck me in this draft was the Clippers. <laughs> you got two picks, yeah, and they're back-to-back. And you've got, in the Clippers' case, you're kind of lucky. The guy who one year ago that people thought might go certainly top three, potentially number one overall, Michael Porter Jr., you know, because of this back issue, which admittedly some teams were very uh, cautious on and really didn't even like him in the high teens because of this back issue. But, you know, modern medicine, it just, tell me about a guy who came out of college anywhere in the last five, ten years who, you know, beyond Greg Oden, (laughs) But, you know, whose who's physical ailments just totally derailed any kind of his, a career. It just it hasn't really happened. So I would have my faith in modern medicine and doctors and, and all that. And you got two picks, so go safe and solid right. on one of them. And, and the picks they took, I like Alexander, Shigelius Shy, Alexander, the, the Kentucky combo guard. He's already 6'6", and he's got a 6'11 wingspan. Right. Uh, not an explosive athlete, kind of an MCW type, Michael Carter-Williams from a few years ago. But kind of a limited upside, but a solid pick. Uh, but the Jerome Robinson, Boston College guy, that to me, they drafted an undersized, not terribly athletic shooting guard. Wow. Yeah, and, and I the think, lottery. Yeah, and, and I think the Porter Medical stuff must so have been really upside. bad. It had to be horrible for all these teams to pass on him. And I, and I just want to be clear. I totally get if you're picking top five or six, not running the risk of a guy with the red flag. But I'm with you. When you get to the teens, that's when I take the chance. I think Denver, I mean, if he pans out for Denver, how good is that roster? <laughs> it's just insane. Oh, totally. And, and you look at the NBA drafts, and if a top ten guy flames out and really has you know limited to no career – then, okay, you screwed up. But when you get to the 13, 14, 15, then if the guy doesn't pan out, it's like, well, lots of them don't pan out. you know. And then you get to the 20s, and it's like, then you're like, wow, he was a gem. He panned out, and he was 21st. you know. So it's so little. The, the quality ads per draft to the league are so – it's such a small number every year. And you can go back to the draft, say, four or five years ago, and you'll find, you know, maybe four or five, wow, what a really nice player. Uh-huh. And then you'll find 
another four or five. He's a solid guy in the league. And then you might find three to four. Yeah, he contributes. And, you know, and, and those 13, 14, 15 names, that might be it for legit NBA talent per draft. It's just it's kind of the way it goes. So you're looking at the Clippers, you got the 13th pick is their second pick. You know, and they even did a trade to bump up to get to Alexander. It, it's just funny that you wouldn't take a swing there and go, "Hey, why not? Let's 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 take a stab." Because wow, and if you want to talk about Porter, you got a hippity hop athlete uh, who can shoot, who can play defense, Great who American. can yeah defend the one through five. Even like he just he's a nice player. He's a nice athlete. He's a you know really long. You you watch him on film and. What strikes you is like, damn, this dude's long. He is tall. He's got reach. Like, he, you know, wow. So it, it's it's kind of funny, but m- maybe that back. You know, I don't know. I, I don't. I I'm no doctor. Obviously, <laughs> I don't know if it was a vertebrae. I don't know a disc or what yeah. the heck it was. But um, I, I, I guess it scared some teams. Yeah, and and I also think you know you, you mentioned Gilgris Alexander. I want to touch on him. I think he has potential with his length. Those Kentucky guys. It seems like there's always a sleeper because Calipari just doesn't utilize all of them properly, or there's so many. So even Knox on the Knicks, like one of these guys could pan out and be a stud, and you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. You know, they're finally getting the usage rate that they need. I think Sexton, who you touched on earlier. That's a great post-LeBron era pick for him to be kind of a guy that handles the ball. We saw how bad Cleveland's guards were all playoffs through the finals, so I think they needed depth there. I do think, though, that man, the Phoenix Suns are adding roster or are putting together a nice roster. Mikhail Bridges, the trade there. Todd, in addition to Aiton, you have Booker, you have, you have Josh Jackson from last year. I know they did Bridges kind of dirty with that Philadelphia drafting him to his mother's organization and then trading him, but I think the Phoenix right. Suns are putting together a nice little roster. What do you think? Definitely. You know, you got Devin Booker, who's instant offense. Uh, Jackson, their number one pick out of Kansas a year ago, he really came on strong last, what, 25 games or yeah. so of the season. He was really having some productive lines, yeah, w- without a doubt. And, you know, so you add this freaky big, the kind of big, you know, an eight and that doesn't come along very often. Maybe you give up on the Alex Len experiment. Marquis Chris and uh, who's that? Drajan? Dr- Bender. Who, yeah. Who's the, uh, yeah, Bender, exactly. The, the Euro they took a few years ago. So, yeah, all, all of a sudden, Phoenix. They've got assets. They've got a lot of young assets. So they're they're a very interesting uh, team all of a sudden, without a doubt. We'll see what happens with this draft, Todd, but I do think you have the top heavy players, Dodgers, Trey Young, how they pan out. But I think Porter Jr. is the one because, you know, like Kyrie Irving didn't play a lot of games in college. We're going to look back at this draft in five, six years and be like, wow, this was a steal pick of the draft by Denver. What are all these teams thinking? Or – Maybe they were all right. Maybe the medical is that bad. I think he might be the key to how we look back and assess this draft. Totally. And there's two later first-rounders. Just a quickie thoughts on the two of them. The Trailblazers took a uh, a combo guard, um, hyper-athletic, real springy guy and a yeah. good-looking shot, Simmons, um, Anthony Simmons. I wonder if he was named after Penny Hardaway. You know, <laughs> Probably. Anthony, that's, like, that's how old we're all getting. Exactly, exactly. We're, no, we're getting so old that guys 
who were playing in the league and then like a few years younger than me, now their kids are entering yeah, the Jaylen league. So Brunson, the... Jalen Brunson, Jaron yeah. Jackson. It's like, wow, here comes the next Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> exactly. Gary Trent Jr. is one of them totally. But uh, I like that pick from the Blazers. Kind of stash him, let him learn under C.J. McCollum after a year or two. And you could get a big upside. If he'd have played in college and not gone to an IMG Academy kind of the thon maker post high school uh route uh, you know I, I i think he might have ended up at the back end of the lottery so i, I think the trailblazers got some some value there and then the lakers just because i don't know we're in la so we should talk talk more la hoops uh, beyond the clippers draft <laughs> of course, uh, of course, yeah. look to me like mistakes but um you know they, they took this heavy-footed slow wagner out of michigan i, I don't know it just um you get down there, you're in the mid-20s. I guess there's not a lot of um, sexy options. But to me, you know, he was described as Frank Kaminsky-like, which I guess Kaminsky went a lot higher than that in the draft. So so at least they didn't pay up in that regard. But I don't know. He, he looks, he looks, he reminds me of Mitch McGarry out of Michigan, the same <laughs> school just a few years ago. And we know McGarry didn't really pan out to be worth anything. And nope. Oklahoma City took him, and that was when they still had KD on the team. And I was like, what are you doing? It, what? Mitch, what? <laughs> and I, I think, I don't know about Moritz Wagner for the Lakers, but, you know, whatever. It's a pick. We'll, we'll see. A spacer three guy. I but, also, you know, no defense, heavy feet. I like the last no post pick. Game. I like the last pick, too, of the draft. Greek Freak's brother, Kostas going to the Sixers out of Dayton. Who's he, who, who knows what he'll be, but it's funny that we bookended the draft with the Greek Freak's brother. That's the second Greek Freak brother to be drafted. Thanasis, <laughs> taken by the Knicks, did not pan out. I guess there's only one true Greek Freak <laughs> in that family, but but maybe uh, maybe the other guy uh, will at least stick with the roster for a few years. Um We'll see. Money Mitch Effect, yeah. Todd Robinson. I want to talk NBA awards briefly, and then we'll recap a little. We'll, we'll look ahead to some free agency moves. But the NBA awards took place last night. Pretty much uh, true to form. And I want to get your take on if anything surprised, Todd. We had Harden win MVP, Gobert win defensive player, Lou Williams sixth man of the year, which is probably the easiest pick of all. Ben Simmons rookie of the year, Oladipo most improved. And now recently departed, hired by the Pistons coach, Dwayne Casey, got coach of the year with the Raptors. So pretty much everything that we thought, according to four, maybe some mini, mini uh, disses and, and uh, changes, but all in all, it was pretty much what we thought. Did anything surprise you at all? Were you taken aback by anything, or was this just a standard NBA awards? I thought that the Boston coach, I thought Brad Stevens might nab that uh, coach of the year, but... We we did a podcast, um, I think it was like the night or two nights before the last night of the season, and we talked about the awards, and pretty much it went to our script, and not because either one of us is a genius, but because it was kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of had it as a Harden LBJ photo finish. I still lean towards LBJ, but you know Harden got it, and that's probably a, well, this might be the only time he gets it, and... He was so close a year ago, so why not? We both had, I think, Gobert as Defensive Player of the Year. We both thought that Depot was an automatic lock. So kind of just to script, I, I just think maybe Brad, see, it's kind of funny that the yeah. Coach of the Year got fired. <laughs> yeah, and then the thanks online. And, and no, I had yeah. the, 
I have a very knowledgeable Toronto Raptor um, uh, fan buddy. Uh, lives up in Toronto, huge fan, very knowledgeable NBA guy. Doesn't like Dwayne Casey. Never liked him really that much as a coach. And so you, you kind of you you kind of wonder. I mean, he he got them the best record, but Jesus, you know, then to have them just be like a kicked puppy dog playing playing the Cavaliers, <laughs> and certainly their holes were exposed in every other playoff series they played their holes were radically exposed. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a it's like a shock that, that, you know, Toronto couldn't do anything against them, and yet they were far and away the number one team in the East. Is it weird, though, to say, and I think Simmons want deserved to win Rookie of the Year based on, obviously, the criteria and everything. Mitchell was a close second. But is it weird for me to say that I might prefer Tatum over, all, over both those guys going forward in their careers? I've heard guys on the radio say that just because they're like worried that game. Simmons might. Well, well, they, they're worried that Simmons might never develop a shot because if he does, if he does develop a shot, yeah. I think forget about it. He's above those two and many other and many other greats of all time potentially. I mean, he's he's got a hell of a ceiling, but he's got to get that shot developed. But even absent the shot. You know, and I, I know he at times kind of struggled a bit in the playoffs, and then he also had some nice playoff moments. But you get a 6'10 guy with a handle like that and, and pretty solid athleticism and passing ability. I mean, it's just, it's a pretty freaky package he presents. So at this point, I still take him over those other two. Um, Donovan Mitchell is, you know, he's, well, I did the research. Donovan Mitchell is one of the greatest non-top 10 rookie seasons of all time. Like if you look at rookie all of the year, you're saying, right? Like if the guys that didn't win, no, no, oh, no. oh, I see not drafted in the top. I'm saying a guy yeah. not taken in the top 10 of the draft. I think he's the first or maybe the second who to average 20 points a game who wasn't taken top 10 over going, the, going back like 30 years. I looked back all the way to the early nineties and, um, his season stacks up against pretty much anybody who's not like mm-hmm. Latrell Sprewell, Michael Finley Jr. Those were the rookie years that were kind of close to his not taken in the top 10. There's a couple other that are escaping me right now, but it's one of the all-timer uh, seasons uh, for, for a non-top 10 pick. And I think and, and certainly his upside yeah. is, you know, unlimited. I think it's going to go down as one of the great seasons and not win Rookie of the Year award. I know there's historically a lot of a lot of seasons like that from like the the old ages of the NBA, but the one we talked about when it was happening was Alonzo Mourning when he lost to Shaq, averaging over two totally. blocks a game, and just I mean that was a guy people forgot how good he was because he was like that next tier down with literally every Hall of Fame center. If a guy like Mourning comes around now, you're like, wow, this guy's a freak, but because he was in the era of O'Neal and Robinson and Olajuwon and Ewing. It just didn't happen. Yeah, well, and it's it's kind of tough to compare those drafts to these because in those days, you have way more polished guys coming out. Like nowadays, Zoe Morning is one and done. Shaq, one and done. Well, they, they played three years in college. Um, you know, Olajuwon played three years in college. If you Crazy. go go further back, so you're you're probably not going to have a non rookie of the year season like Donovan's. Yeah, for for a long time, just the way it's structured now, because it's hard to get 
multiple rookies having extraordinary years because they usually come in as a little rough around the edges and needed some polish. Certainly. Well, Todd, before I let you go, I want to talk a little NBA free agency. And we've all beaten to death, though, LeBron, Paul George. What are they going to do? L.A. seems like a target. A couple other ones down. I don't think a lot of people realize the depth of this free agency just because of how top-heavy it is. We assume that Durant's going to re-sign with Golden State. Everything appears there. But a team like the Rockets, for example, they have a tough decision to make. They we assume they're not going to get LeBron. Doesn't seem like it's going there. Clint Capella is a restricted free agent. And then you have Chris Paul, who wants a longer-term, kind of a max deal. But I don't know how you could justify paying a guy at his age, as great as he's been at his age and with his injury history, that much money for four to five years. I know you're you're erring on the side of caution and youth. I can't see how this deal makes any sense for the Rockets long-term. Um, yeah, there's a very good reason why you can't see that is because it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, there's just no way. I mean, first let's, let's pretend like he's been healthy for the last five years and played at least 75 games. And let's pretend that in the two most important games of the season, he actually was on the floor floor and playing for you. Even in that scenario, just looking at his years in the league and his age and his position, you have to be very cautious about a four- or five-year deal. Now add in the fact that he's constantly had these little like soft-tissue injuries, hammies and this and that, missed those two huge games against Golden State to close the season in the playoffs. There's no way. So... It's it's how hard-headed is CP3 going to be about it? Because if he backs off his demand, he can stay with that team. And, you know, I don't know if they're still going to be good enough. But if he asks for anything more than three years, if I'm Houston, there's just no way. Because you don't even know if you're going to be good enough to get over the top with him. Right. Um, and it is. So why would you totally lock yourself into horrible back end uh you know years right. with him and, and and he's at the age where those back end years might start year two yeah. you know point guards definitely fall off the cliff a little faster i think you have to run it back with capella he's improved every year the market for bigs is going to be very fascinating because boogie cousins is a free agent coming off that achilles injury although the Pelicans, I mean, they might not offer him because they played well with Davis in the five. What do you think Boogie, even though he is 27, is going to give you as an option and a debate teams have to have? Jokic opting out of his deal, eyeing a long-term deal in Denver, but that's not a lock. We saw Carlos Boozer pull a fast one on the Cavs way back when, signed with the Jazz. The rest is history there. I think the market's big. You mentioned that if you're a team like the Lakers, maybe even Dallas, you might be more inclined to go after these big guys instead of a guy like LeBron or even a Paul George. Well, yeah, we, we chatted, and I brought up the Lakers. Like, hey, if, if you could lock up Jokic, a freaky, talented, passing big, scoring big. I mean, that guy's a triple-double center. Like, those don't really come around very often no. versus renting LeBron for, you know, the last three years of his career. You know, yeah, I, I think you'd, you'd have to kind of, you have to look at that, um, especially because I don't know, it's not like LeBron puts you over the top right away. Mm-hmm. If, if he comes packaged with PG, you know, 13, maybe, maybe you're, the, you know, you're not going to take the Warriors down, I don't think. So, yeah, I, I to me, it would be like 
you've got a youngish team, but now you bring, uh, if you bring a Jokic in, God, he's like that perfect 26-ish year old, few years in the league. He's got some seasoning, plenty of youth, plenty of years out in the future, and a rare package that that doesn't come along. So I certainly would would be someone I would want to take a long look at. You got passers like Lonzo Ball and uh, Jokic on your team. You know, that's nice. Yeah, and uh, look at all these bigs, though. Todd Boogie, Capella, DeAndre Jordan, who we didn't talk about, has a player option. It's just fascinating. I mean, he'll probably, like, Jordan will probably stay, but you have a lot of options at the rim protector position. Teams not really having a lot of cap space is the issue here because I don't know where players are going to get their money from if they opt out and look for these Mega Max deals. Yeah, well, um, well like, okay, New Orleans, wouldn't they have some money if, if D-Cuz walks, then suddenly they have some money. Um, but do, then do you replace a big with a big, or do you balance out the roster differently? You know, that that's something for them to, to figure out. But, yeah, there's a lot of bigs. Free agency in the NBA, is it's, it's almost like a season unto itself. I love it. I think a lot of fans do, too, because there's a lot of intrigue. And then once – once everybody's kind of landed, then you go, how do they mesh? And then there's all that, you know, conjecture and projections and analysis. So the NBA is really like the season that never dies because, <laughs> you know, you've got, oh, the, the playoffs are done. Oh, the draft. And then the draft is done. Oh, free agency. Free agency's done. Oh, how do they mesh? And then, and then you got, you know, a little bit of uh, – then you get to pay attention for football for a bit, and then, boom, you're preseason, and you're, you see if your guesses on the meshing of the new free agents and the new rookies and everything else uh, was right or wrong. It's a fun, fun time, and uh, a lot of intrigue at the top. A lot of top 50 players in this league are changing teams. Should be a blast. Todd Robinson, this was fun. Thanks for coming on. We'll have to reconvene at some point when all the dust is settled, but – Appreciate you calling into the Money Mitch Effect. No doubt. Uh, always fun to talk shop and talk the NBA with you, and uh, we will uh, do it again, I'm sure. Huge thanks to Todd Speedburner Robinson for coming on today's show. Do you want to talk about the NHL free agency? I think there's the offseason as well. I think there's a lot to discuss there. And I want to briefly touch on it. We're still in the midst of the offseason. The draft is when a lot of trades go down. Ilya Kovachuk is coming back from Russia to play for the Los Angeles Kings, getting about $6 million a year for three years. And that's a 35-year-old player, but somebody that was, at his apex, a top-five player in the NHL. He goes to a team that needs goal scoring. That's going to be a huge signing there. The other big name, though, is John Tavares. He is meeting with teams out in L.A. at the CAA agency offices. This is huge because Tavares is a top five player. Now the Islanders have gotten, they had a great draft. They had Lou Lamorello. They signed Barry Trotz to be their head coach, but still might lose a generational talent in John Tavares. Every team should be lining up to try to get him. I know Toronto is the hot spot. They're going to have to try to make it work by moving some pieces around. But if they can get him, I mean, Tavares is a game changer. Boston, Toronto, and East get him. They're instantly a team that has cup potential. Same with L.A. and San Jose out west. This is that good of a player, but I still expect him to stay. I think he's going through going through his processes of trying to see what the organizational direction is. I just don't think he's going to leave. I think they're, they're turning things around late, late but surely in time. I think the Islanders are there. 
And I do also think that the Carolina and Calgary trade that revolved around Emlyn and Hannafin, Noah Hannafin going to Calgary for a, for a prize possession, Doug Hamilton and some prospects going to Carolina is an interesting trade that I think actually pans out good for both teams. So there's some deals going around right now. Will Eric Carlson get traded? Will they, will they draw that out? I don't know. This is a fascinating time for hockey as well. Everybody's trying to jockey for position. John Carlson got absolutely paid. The Capitals did great work in getting rid of the Brooks Orpik contract. I know he was a great player and a reason why they won the Stanley Cup, but they were able to trade his pick, his his contract, as well as a goalie in Grubauer, who actually started the playoffs for the number, the second round pick for Colorado was amazing work. Not only did they shed a contract, but they get a second-round pick for a backup goalie as well. Just great work by them. They keep John Carlson in Washington. Probably going to sign Tom Wilson. Capitals' window may be opening. They may have just you know opened it a little bit. We thought it was closing, but it's a fun time of year. Fun time indeed. This was the Money Mitch Effect. If you like the show, share it. Leave us a review or a rating at iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. New Google Podcast app as well. You might want to check that out. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. And follow me on Twitter at moneymitchm 21 I am Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. We'll have a Wimbledon preview dropping this weekend. Got to talk about my favorite tennis tournament, so don't miss that. I am Mitch Michaels. Until next time, this was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports, everybody.